Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. A song that we would know, most of you in this room, we would be able to sing it together, but it says, what? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open doors, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Listen, all of us, to some way, shape, or form, should feel a little bit out of place as a believer on this earth. Peter is writing this letter and he's writing to the strangers, he's writing to the aliens, he's writing to those that, were, that had left and were going to all of these different cities and these different places. And he's reminding them that they were a chosen people, that they were chosen by God and that they had strength in God and they had security in God. And Peter was writing all of these things and he was letting them know of the amazing grace of God in the face of escalating persecution. In the face of suffering, Peter would be reminding them just who God was and giving them a hope beyond anything that they could imagine. The title, really, I guess it would be a part two, but a living hope. A hope that is beyond anything that we could think of. And I, I, I put it this way in, in just the introduction here this morning, because most all of us in this room, there's a lot of things that we can hope in. There's a lot of things that we can hope in, but when we look at this, it's a living hope. One of the things that I think for me personally, that is, as I have grown and as I have studied and as I have become to know Christ a little bit more, is that this, this earth and this, the thing that I'm living today, this Christian life that I have in front of me, is not just something that I was saved so that I can go to heaven. It's something that's been, I have been given a living hope. I have been given a, 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 a strength for today. Listen, I don't live in gloom and doom. I get that the world around me is caving in. I get that all of those things, but I also understand very well God's Word said from the beginning, this was going to happen. What did Adam and Eve, God told Adam, what? You eat of this tree, you will what? Surely die. Granted, when they ate that tree, I don't know what they thought right away, but... When they ate of that tree, they weren't struck dead. But from that moment on, disease, famine, natural disasters, war, death took place. Why? They, they didn't get struck down and killed immediately, but they were to surely die. And as we go about our lives and as we look at these things, we as believers, you ought to feel a little bit in a foreign place when you go to work and you're one that's trying to live according to God's Word. It's, it's a little bit different. Why? Because to you, you know, why do I love Women's Resource Center? To me, it's a life inside of a, inside of a woman. To many outside... It's the woman's right to do what they want to do. To me, it's life. God's given life. Jeremiah 1 says that He formed you in the womb. He knew you. He had a plan for you. 
That's my God had a plan for me. My God had a plan for you. It's so much more than what we would say here, but I get frustrated. Do you ever get frustrated watching the news or get frustrated with things around and, and we get angry? I pretty much quit watching news. I was watching something the other day and Al Gore, I don't know why I'm going to this, Al Gore is making a new movie. My wife and I went to see a movie the other day and it was a trailer. And it was going through all of the things of the the climate change and all of this stuff. And I'm not getting into it. I'm not a scientist. I don't, I'm not going there. But everything that it said, I just looked at Mindy and I said, God's word has said that a long time ago. There's going to be more natural disasters. There's going to be more of all of the things that we are seeing every day. There's going to be more. And it's not getting any better. And I watched this and I'm thinking, God's word has made this very clear a long time ago. And as we live every day, I say all that to kind of as the start of this, Peter was writing to those strangers, to the aliens. And this morning I'm going to read a passage of scripture to jump into this. And maybe I should have read it last week, but Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12 is a very familiar passage of scripture. It says this, for the word of God is quick or it would be alive. And powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow or marrow, and of the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Last week we started in verse number one of First Peter, and we will end at the end of First Peter sometime. And we're going verse by verse through this book, and I'll share with you why. Because this passage of Scripture says the Word of God is is quick, or the Word of God is alive, and I believe with everything in me, just as I began to study this passage of Scripture months and months ago and was deciding which passage or which book we were going to go into, and I look at this and I'm thinking of persecutions, I'm thinking of the things that Peter was, was writing to and encouraging the people that were around him, and I'm thinking... That's where we are. And though this book was written a couple thousand years ago, however long ago that it was, we look at these things and all of God's Word is alive. And as we allow it to implement our lives, listen, some of you in this room this morning, you are seeking. You're trying to figure out who is this crazy maniac yelling on stage and why am I here? Others of you have been here for a long time or you've been involved in church for a long time and you know Christ. We have some that don't know the Lord in this room, and we have some that know Christ. Some of you have known Christ longer than I've been alive. Others of you are seeking. And listen, as we we dive into this passage, these few verses this morning, we're going to look at this. And for those of you that are seeking, I promise you this. If you open up your, your eyes and you open your heart and you say, God, I don't know why I'm here, but speak to me. God's Word is very clear, and we'll see that this morning. This life, the hope that I have, has nothing to do with Aaron Flanagan. The hope that I have, and the the reason that I get excited about church, or the reason that I get excited about singing about victory in Jesus, or, or, or some of these songs, this world is not my home. I'm excited about certain things. Why? Because this world, the hope that I have, has nothing to do with me. And if you're as much of a buffoon as I am, that should give you a lot of joy. Did you say amen because I'm a buffoon? (laughs) 
But you know what? Each and every last person in this room does not have it together. And I, just like you, will put on a Sunday outfit and I'll show up to church. And you'll think that I have my stuff together. One, you think I have my stuff together because I'm the pastor and I lead this deal. (laughs) Or you might look at the person beside you and think, well, I know they've been in church for a really long time and they've taught Sunday school and they've done this and surely they have their stuff together. I'm just here to say one of the greatest joys of my life and the hope that I live with every single day is I'm able to have a hope because it is not about me. I came to a realization a long time ago. I'm not the brightest guy in the world. And it's good to know that it's not about me. You know what? It's also good to know that yes, it's not about me, but as we go through this morning, we look at all of these things. It's a living hope that I have a joy that I can live every single day with. I know what tomorrow holds. I know who holds the future. I know all of those things. And so I can be excited about today and I can live in peace and joy and happiness and I can do all those things. But I also know that it's eternally. It's a hope that I have that is far beyond me. It's eternal. And though my hope is, yes, I can live today and I can have joy and peace and I can, Jesus cried, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me and I can do all of these things and it's not about me, but it's also eternal. And beyond any of that, I, I'm, I'm so excited. I shared last week, it's secure. Man, that, that hope that I have is protected. And this morning, let me just share with you, if you're a believer, there's a lot in here for you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, there's a lot in here for you because there's something that I said just a moment ago, it's not about you, it's not about me. There is an eternal side to this. And it's protected. Because at the end of the day, I'll just tell you flat out, if I get smacked by a truck when I walk out of this building, to be absent with this body is to be present with the Lord. And I know for out of sh- without a shadow of a doubt where I will be. Though I have no intention of being smacked by a truck when I walk out of here. I'm not, left, I'm not done. I hope not. So this morning, if you have your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we will be. And we'll be in starting in verse number 3, and we'll go through verse number 5 this morning. 1 Peter 1 and verse number 3, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Father God, I thank you for the day that you've given to us. Lord, I hold true and I hold fast to the the promises that you've given to us. And as I read already just a few moments ago in Hebrews chapter 4, God, your word is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is quick. It will pierce. And God, I ask you this morning that you would do just that with the word of God and pierce our hearts. Make it alive to us today. For those that may not know you, that you would make it alive, that they may come to a place and recognize that, that they need a Savior. 
For those of us that have come to a place where we recognize that, Lord, make it alive that we would apply it to our lives and never be the same. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. A living hope. My first point this morning is this. A living hope is not of ourselves. I already said just briefly a minute ago, but hope is found in so many different things. For some of us, hope is found in our job. Hope is found in, in the, the family that we have. Hope is found in our, uh, you know, I, I go to work and I have a great 401k or I have a great retirement system and I've got all of these things. It's found in the right insurance and it's found in a lot of different things. Hope is found because I have good health and when the bad health bill comes, we feel like we lose all hope. Whatever that is, hope is found in a Many, many, many different things. But as I stated just a few moments ago, if there's one thing that I have truly, truly grasped a hold of in my own personal life, and it's not perfect, but I'm still growing in it a lot. But I am so, I have just come to a place for me where it's been really nice and comforting to know that it's just not about me. The hope that I have is not of myself. Because here's, here's why I say that. And I can joke, and I, I, if you've been around, I'm, I tend to be a smart aleck, and I tend to say things that probably shouldn't be said by a pastor at times and use words, not, not foul words. If you're new, you're like, whoa, what's this guy say? <laughs> but, you know, like stupid and dumb and all the things that you shouldn't say, I say them, and then I tell my kids, don't say that. Dad is wrong. I should not say that. But... I have found in my own, for me personally, it's so assuring, reassuring to know that it's, it's not about me. See, the life that I live as a Christian is, it, it's not of myself. The desire to do right or the urges that we have and the things that face us every single day and the failures that we come across and all of these things, though I do every single one of those, I have the failures and I have the struggles and we all do, but I look at it sometimes and I think, thank you, Jesus, this is not about me because what a mess it would be. See, this week when I failed, the hope that I have is because it's not about me. And I can go back to God and I can seek His face and I can, I, can, I can grow and I can do all of those things. And He has mercy and He has grace. But as we look at these things, what a joy that it is to know that it's not about me. Though I'm as selfish as the next guy, it is freeing to know that the hope is far beyond me. Peter says right here in this, this, the introduction of verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at this, he is honoring the Father. He is, he is just saying how blessed he is and how great that he is. But he, as we look at this, the words and the verbiage that are here and the, the words for God that he uses, it, he says that he is the sovereign ruler. He is the incarnate Son of God and the anointed Messiah and King. Not only that, but put it this way, because he says, Blessed be the God and Father. And he speaks of, of God and he speaks of the Father. But what does it say? What's the very next word? Though it's a very short word, three letters. Our. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior. 
And he goes through there, and you can just put your own self in there, but to all believers, Jesus who lived, died, and rose again for all, and the Christ, the Messiah, who God anointed to be the eternal King, who will grant them, grant us, grant you a glorious inheritance. Our living hope, though we look at this passage, is His great mercy. It's amazing. It is God granting you and I. Maybe you are seeking this morning and... God is granting or sharing with you, wanting to share with you the life of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, But God who is rich in His mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. As we look at all these things, God is granting to us according to His Abundant mercy. As we look at this this morning, we have a living hope that is not of ourselves. And as we look at this, there's a couple points. I have three points, and then there's some very small sub points inside of these passages of Scripture. And I hope that as you read it, you can bring them out yourself. But also, as we look through this, the blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with according, um, which according to what does it say? His mercy hath begotten us a lively hope. By what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, so as we look at that, the mercy. Mercy has a a focus on our condition. The sinner of which the gospel is prompted to by God's compassion. Our deceit, our corrupt minds, our, our wicked desires that make us a slave to sin. Mercy shows that compassion toward our sinfulness. God shows grace as well. Grace a little different than mercy in that it deals with our guilt which is caused or which caused the condition. Mercy takes a sinner from misery to glory, a conditional change. Grace takes from guilt to acquittal, a positional change. It's His mercy and His resurrection that give us a living hope. Again, it's not of myself. Only in His resurrection. Only by His mercy, our sinful nature caused Him to go to the cross in love, which gave us a hope, caused us or enabled us to be born again. John chapter 3, we're looking at the the passage there in John chapter 3 where Nicodemus is asking the question, how could I be born again? How can I go back into my mother's womb? When we go through this, John 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Listen, as I go into this next point this morning, I can't help but just stop for a moment and we look at this. It is not of ourselves. It is the mercy of God that gives me any, I don't want to say shot, but gives me any shot. 
that he would look at me, the sinfulness that I am, the sinner that I am, and that he would look at me and he would not see that because of the blood that was washed, that he, he would invite me into his kingdom. God cannot see and he cannot be a part of sin. But when Jesus Christ died, the blood that washed over the sin, he would say, you now have righteousness as you've said, Aaron, you've sought forgiveness. You've sought me and I am now king of kings and Lord of Lord in your life. I have washed you by the blood of the lamb. You can now enter into heaven and I can, I don't no longer see the sin in your life. I now see the blood that was shed on your behalf. He showed me mercy. He showed me through all of those things, not only just two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the king as Jesus died and he was hung on a cross as he went into the tomb and three days later he rose again. It was the resurrection that gives me hope. Listen, I could not do that in and of myself. The hope that we have or the hope that you may be seeking is not of you. It is not of ourselves. It is only of him. That we have the hope that we have. A living hope is not of ourselves. A living hope is eternal. I already stated, I love that that hope is not about me. But what a great joy to understand that our hope is eternal. It is everlasting. It's great to know that I live and I can have a hope that God is with me. That God grants me power. That the Holy Spirit is moving and working in my life. That I can have peace. That I can have a comfort. That I can have a joy daily because of Him. Because it's not about me. But also because it's eternal. This life is short. But the walk that I have with Christ has just begun and is for all of eternity. I said this not too long ago. We have no understanding of anything except for time. We only know everything as a 24-hour period. We know it by minutes. We know it by seconds. We know it by hours. We know it by days and by weeks and by months and by years. That's all that we know. And in our finite mind, we cannot know anything else. I cannot grasp a hold of eternity. I can't figure it out. For all of eternity, I will worship Him. I'm thinking to myself... What does that look like? Because all that I know is an average lifespan in the States, 70, 75, whatever that is. That's what we know. Somebody dies or passes away in their 30s or 40s or 50s, we say it was way too soon. Man, if somebody dies in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, we say look at the life that they were able to live. They lived a full life. A child dies and we just, we say, but that's too soon. Why? They, they never lived life. God's word says, for all of eternity, I can worship. 
for all of eternity. I have a hope not for today, which is why as we live our lives and as we go through this life, we need to remember, we need to be focused that it's not about today, but it's about all of eternity. Listen, there is an eternal place. One of them is called heaven and one of them is called hell. And every person in this room and every person that has ever walked the face of this earth and ever will walk the face of this earth will be in one of two places. And we can't take it flippantly. Why does abortion matter? Why? Because it's an eternal matter. Beyond the child, I believe there's millions and millions and millions of babies that are in heaven worshiping God right now because of that. But there's a lot of women because nobody loved them. Nobody shared with them a different way. Nobody cared with them. Nobody nobody took their hurt and, and didn't judge them. And many people, why? It's more than just this life. It's all of eternity. The guy that you work next to that drives you nuts. It's bigger than the office. It's bigger than the job site. It's bigger than getting the job. It's bigger than not liking the neighbor because his music is too loud at 11 o'clock at night. And I have some of them. It's bigger than all that. It's bigger than trying to get from point A to point B on any of our Las Vegas streets because we got to get there faster than the guy beside us and we flippantly flip him off because he ticked us off or we, we honk the horn or we throw our hands up or we do whatever it is that we do and then he follows you as you pull right into church this morning. Do you know why we laugh? Because it happens every day. It's bigger than that. When I was in Egypt last October, there was probably ten times more vehicles on the street. And the horns never stopped honking. But never one time did I see an accident. Never one time did I watch a guy sit on the berm trying to merge over. Because everybody lets you merge. It's a constant flow of traffic that never, ever, ever ends. And I thought to myself, we would have full-blown riots in the streets if that took place in Las Vegas. Those of you with shotguns and those of you with handguns and those of you with machine guns would carry them in your cars and you would just start spraying people. I'm not kidding. Have you ever traveled overseas and seen them drive? We look at it and go, that's utter chaos. But there's never accidents. Why? Because they, their life is, it's not, we have to get there and we're better than the person beside us. Listen, this life is not about me here and now. This life is about eternity. Yes, God wants to give you peace. Yes, God wants to give you joy. Yes, God wants to give you comfort. God is here for all of those things. But this is a situation that's far beyond the 75 years that you may have on this life. It's an eternal situation. And God's Word says just that. To an inheritance incorruptible. The wealth, the inheritance, we all know what an inheritance is, and I won't get much of one. But it says this, but it's a wealth that is passed down. I don't know if I will or not. I'm just assuming. If you don't know and you're a guest, my parents are attending our church, and uh, they are no longer playing the piano or being a deacon. But uh, 
No, but in all seriousness, an inheritance, we understand that. Wealth that is passed down, a legacy that one receives. And I'll promise you this, if I never get an ounce of money from my parents when they pass away, I have received far more than money could ever give. I made up for it. This, that's huge, an inheritance. When you look at that scripture and you go back to the Old Testament, inheritance is such a big thing. But as eternity... As you come to know Christ, as you come to a place where you recognize that this is far more about, uh, not about today and it's about tomorrow, we have an inter- eternal inheritance that is ours as a child of God. And He is grooming you and He is grooming me and He is showing us daily as we are conforming more and more to His image that He is showing me all of those things that this earth, it's not about this, the inheritance that I have is far greater than anything that I could give. Or that I could, I could have or give to my children. It says this, it's not only just an inheritance. It is an inheritance that is incorruptible. It is incorruptible. It's imperishable. There is no corruption in the inheritance. It is perfect. It will never be destroyed. The Israelites had an inheritance. It was an earthly inheritance. And while we have an eternal heavenly inheritance that is imperishable, that will be revealed in heaven, a glorious treasure. That inheritance is undefiled. It is pure. It is pure. It is perfect. We can't even begin to comprehend what perfection looks like on this earth. Because every single thing that we come in contact with is impure because of the fallen nature of man. But yet in heaven, it is completely pure. It is perfect. It says that that inheritance would never fade. An inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away. Scripture speaks of of a flower or of a grass that is withering, being tossed to and fro, that is blown. This inheritance will never fade. It will never lose its brilliance. It will never lose its magnitude. It is reserved for you. This may be too soon, but have you ever had a plane ticket that was reserved for you? And you get on and they say, this this plane has been overbooked. You watch the news, it was on the news lately. Alright. In heaven, you have a place reserved for you. And it's not overbooked. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of empty seats and that's what we need to be doing. Doing our best to fill them. But the... Listen, it's, it's a reserved. It's a place that's reserved for you. You have a spot just for you. What a hope that we have. Again, that is beyond us. Bigger than me, not about me. That is eternal. And lastly this morning, a living hope that is protected. I mentioned this last week as we, we looked at those first couple verses that, uh, that, is, that, that we talked about the security But as we come into this, as we kind of close out this morning, we are protected by the power of God. His sovereign omnipotence that continuously protects us as believers. I try my best to be the protector in my home. As all of you do. 
each and every one of us, especially men, because that's just our makeup. That's how God created and designed you to be, was the protector, the provider, and all of those things. And we want to protect our homes, and we want to keep our homes, and we want to keep our kids safe, and we want to keep them safe from people coming into our house. We want to keep them safe from the bad kids at school. We want to, we want to keep them safe. We want to keep them safe. Everything that we do, we want, to, we want to hoard our kids, right? If you have children, you're there. Maybe. Some of you are like, nope, you can have them. I have four of them. There's times I want to say the same thing. But listen, I'm just kidding. Good night. We want to hold our kids. We want to protect them. Do you know at the end of the day, I have to recognize I can only do, do so much to protect my family. All four of my kids go to school every day. There's people that are influencing them. All four of my kids have the TV in front of them, and there's things that are on there. Though I try to protect them from the bad things that are on television or the bad things that are on the Internet, I want to do my best to protect them. Here's the reality. Here's the greatest thing that I have. My hope that I have in eternity is protected by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. My hope that I have is protected by the one who spoke it into existence. The hope that I have is 100% protected beyond anything that I can do because if it wasn't, I would have lost it long, long time ago. Why? Because in my fallen nature as a man, I have failed him over and over and over again. But he says that he has me in the palm of his hands and he will never let go. No one can pluck me out of my father's hand. I am protected. Listen, that protection gives me a peace. It gives me a comfort. It allows me to to strive forward. It gives me a hope that I can live today with. Listen, it gives me a joy. It gives me a peace. There's nothing worse. I sit and I counsel and I talk to people and they they want this life. I want to have this and I want to have this and I just want to look at them and say, then stop this. I just wish my finances would allow me to do this. Then quit spending $20 if you only have 10. Hello? Right? But that's how we live. But God, I want you to be my protector. I want you to give me the money. I want you to do all these things. I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. And here's what we've become. We've become the multitude of people that watch Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And we're just there. Why? Because we want to see, when is that going to happen for me? And when it happens for me, I'll say, oh, Jesus is good. But until then, I'll just, man, I I just wish I could have a little bit of that peace. How are you so happy all the time? Because my life is perfect and yours isn't. No, because the reality is for each and every one of us, there's decisions that we make. And my life isn't perfect. There's days that are bad. There's days that I say the wrong thing to my children, the wrong thing to my parents, or to my, my parents. I've probably done that too. The wrong thing to my wife. There are those times. But as we look at all of these things, my hope is protected. And because of all of that, I can live in peace. I can live in joy. I can live in happiness. I can live a life that is pleasing. Why? 1 John 5, I believe it's verse 3, speaks of, uh, or 1 John 5, it speaks of loving Uh, the Lord and I I love him or I'm obedient because I love him 
And I keep His commandments. I believe it's in verse 3. We talked about it in our small group this last week. That said that those commandments, that obedience is not burdensome. It should not be a weight on your shoulders to live a godly life if you say you love Jesus Christ. And when I look at this and I think of all of these things, I am kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And it is all of that. It is this hope that I have that gives me joy, that gives me peace, that allows me to live my life not perfect. Listen, if you look at me, don't ever look at me as a man that is perfect because I promise you, you will, you'll quickly find out that I'm not. There's one perfect one and it's the Lord. Don't ever worship the pastor that speaks before you. But as I look at this, I'm able to have some of that joy and peace, just like you are. As we wrap up this morning, let me go through a couple really quick things in this closing time. See, as we go through this, it says in verse number 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. That salvation, let me just share this. I, I've kind of spoken of salvation. It's a time where, where most of us recognize, you understand, you've heard, but where I am giving of myself and asking Him to come in. I am accepting the fact. I was, I was just reading something this week, and I was actually I was listening to a sermon, and it was put out. I just loved how it was put out. But um, when we look at uh, somebody being pardoned, we'll watch, you know, at the end of, there's so many different, I don't know all of the legal systems, but there's a lot of, at the end of terms and different things, the president will pardon, the governor can pardon, people can pardon people. You cannot be pardoned unless you admit your guilt. We cannot be pardoned until we admit our guilt. When we take that spiritually, I cannot be pardoned of my sin. I cannot seek forgiveness until I've come to the place where that's why God came. He came to to pardon us from our sin. We cannot be pardoned until we admit our guilt. And so as we look at this, that salvation, that salvation is in three things. There's three parts to salvation. One is justification, which is past. That is, we were justified. We were delivered from our sin. We were, we were made in a right standing. Then there is sanctification. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are currently in the process of sanctification. That is, you are growing in Christ and He is working through you and showing you all of these things. That is a, a constant thing from the day you come to know Christ until the time that you meet Him. And at that time you meet Him, you will be made whole. You will be made complete and you will become perfect. You will be more, as you, you're becoming more like Him. And then the last part is, um, is that there's a future hope. There is a, a glorious reunion. There is a glorification at the end of that. And I just, I, I'm not going to read it, but you can read it. I would encourage you, go to Revelation 21 and just read through it, what the glorification is. What is it going to look like one day when there is a new heaven and a new earth and I am on the streets of gold? What is it going to look like? What is all of that? And just begin to ponder those things and think about those things. You won't know for sure. I don't know what a jasper wall, I don't, I don't understand it, I promise you. I can't fathom it. Because the gold that I have on my finger, I can't see through it. But yet the gold that are the streets of gold, you're pure as crystal, you can see right through it. I, don't, I can't figure that out. 
The diamonds are imperfect, but yet in heaven it's going to be perfect. The gates with all the different colors and all the things, it's perfect. This morning as I close up, let me just ask you. You may sit here this morning and you may be one of those that we're just seeking. I'm here trying to figure this thing out. What is this Christian thing? Who is this God? And and what are all of these things? And let me just ask you. Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Not in you doing the right thing in hopes that you will get to heaven one day. But that you can stand here this morning as I stated. If I walked out and I was smacked by a truck, I know for certain exactly where I will be. And you could stand and you'd say, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt, there is no doubt in my mind that when I pass from this life to go to the next, I know exactly where I'm going. Has there come a place and a time in your life where you've given your life to Christ? Believer, let me ask you and let me put this in front of you. Our hope is not in ourselves Our hope is eternal and our hope is protected. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.